Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Just a quick thing before we begin today's podcast. Are unpleasant symptoms of digestion getting you down? Bloating, abdominal pain, constipation, indigestion, IBS, bowel dysfunction, SIBO, colitis? Well, We are now accepting new applications for our group physiotherapy program. To learn more, go to ecophysio.com forward slash group and submit an application and we will get in contact with you once we receive it to see if it's a good fit for our program. Welcome back everybody to the podcast. Oh boy, everybody's been hearing from me a lot lately with these solo podcasts, but uh, it's been fun kind of trying to play around with doing my own solo podcast, and uh, we have some wonderful guests coming up soon. So today I want to talk about why pelvic health matters. Like, why is it so important? And I think the best way for me to begin talking about why pelvic health matters is to talk about the anatomy and the function. And so let's start off with saying that there are three layers to the pelvic floor muscles. And the first layer is more external. So we have muscles that are directly under the labia majora or the outer labia. We have muscles that kind of run along the groin. Then they come across in a horizontal where they meet at the uh, place that's below the vagina and above the anus known as the perineum and then you have the external anal sphincter and so obviously the external anal sphincter from a functional perspective is designed to hold in our gas and our poop so kind of important and the muscles that are above are predominantly for sexual function and so Just from layer one perspective, why I'm such a strong advocate for prenatal physiotherapy is that there is an increased risk of potential damage to the first layer of the pelvic floor muscles, whether that be through uh, natural tearing or through an episiotomy, right? Disruption in the first layer can lead to issues with intimacy. And if, if, if the disruption is significant enough and goes down toward the external anal sphincter, there could be issues with controlling gas and stool. And that's a big problem. And so just from a layer one perspective, pelvic health matters. And I guess I should state that perhaps the context of Today's conversation is for uh, cisgender women, Um, so I'm going to be focusing in on female anatomy and pelvic floor um, function in women. So 
preparing and working on the perineum, learning about your pelvic floor, learning about your anatomy, learning how to connect to this area is, I think, vitally important, especially prenatally, because then we are active participants in our health and we can provide some risk reduction in the process of birthing and labor and can aid our recovery postpartum because when we know when our where our pelvic floor is and how to move it and and how to activate it we can support our recovery we can be active participants in our recovery because i can't see women till they're six weeks postpartum so what's happening in that zero to six weeks well if you attend physiotherapy prior to giving birth you will already know the various exercises and the various things that you can do in early postpartum. So I'm a strong advocate for prenatal physiotherapy for the reasons that I have mentioned. So let's move into layer number two. So layer number two, approximately around the second knuckle, there's a triangular shape group of muscles and fascial tissue that serves the purpose of supporting the urethra such that when we go pee, we're not spraying all over the place. So it essentially holds the urethra in, in place so that our stream essentially moves in one direction. And it also has muscles for sphincting, so muscles to support closure of the urethra. So we don't pee when we don't want to. And so this is an important layer for us to be able to make a connection to because what I often see is clients will come in and they will show me their Kegel and they will squeeze sort of around the anus and they'll get a good contraction. So they're like, yes, I'm contracting really well. But when I bring their attention to the more forward part of their pelvic floor, or the top part, depending on how you're laying, uh, there seems to be more challenge, more difficulty in accessing the muscles that are around the urethra and even the muscles around the vagina. We do really good, for the most part, squeezing around the anus. And of course, that's helpful because those muscles are supporting actors. But if we're having leakage issues, we want to make sure that we're targeting the muscles in and around the urethra. So that's layer number two. And then we move into the deeper layer. So approximately third knuckle, you know, um, depth. Those muscles are deep inside the, <clears throat> the pelvis. And those muscles have five functions. First being sphincting. So we've already talked about holding gas, stool, and urine. It has a pumping action. So it actually supports the movement of uh, circulation and lymphatic circulation, kind of like when you're in an airplane and they tell you to like move your feet and squeeze your calves so that you don't develop a blood clot in your legs, right? So 
Our muscles become essentially like a pump for our circulation. And so the pelvic floor is the pump in the pelvic cavity. And again, certainly postpartum, there's a lot of swelling that can happen down there. And so being able to effectively activate and use our pelvic floor muscles helps uh, to support the movement of fluid throughout our pelvic cavity. Then we have support. So these pelvic floor muscles support our organs, our bladder, our uterus, our rectum, so that they don't try to fall into the vagina and potentially try to make their great escape. So we need good resting tone. We need good activation. We need good coordination to be able to activate our pelvic floor when needed. Let's say I have to lift something super heavy. You know, I want to make sure that my muscles are going to support me in that activity so that the pressure isn't being pushed down onto my organs and then onto my pelvic floor. Then we have kind of stability. And I, I'm not really necessarily a fan of that word because then it makes it sound like, oh my gosh, if my pelvic floor is not strong, I'm not stable. So I'm going to, I'm going to say support again because the pelvic floor is one of four muscles that makes up the core. So your diaphragm, your transverse abdominis, which is a deep abdominal muscle. You have the multivitus, which is a very deep low back muscle. And the pelvic floor essentially work as uh, a team to create a container of support for our low back, for our hips, and for our pelvis with movement. So these muscles support movement. And finally, a sexual function. So um, our orgasming is tied to the health of our pelvic floor muscles. If my pelvic floor muscles are too tight, I may orgasm too quickly, or it won't feel very strong, or I may not orgasm at all. If it's not strong enough, Again, similarly, it may, my, my orgasms may feel kind of blah. Uh, I may not get one. Or it might take a really long time for me to get there. And so certainly some components of that can be from the musculature. So pelvic health matters. Just by the design of the muscles and their functions that like, it's great when everything is working, but what happens when something happens? And that's when we run into some troubles. I mean, I was assessing a client yesterday um, post-surgery. This actually happened to be a man after um, a, his prostate was removed. And we were try- I was trying to get him to visualize and use the muscles to hold his pee. And he said to me, you know, I've never stopped the flow of urine in my life or I've never had to hold my pee because, you know, I feel the need to go, so I just go. And now that there's a disruption in the tissue, um, there's no connection. He was not able to generate a contraction in his pelvic floor muscles to hold urine. And so now we're going to have to spend 
quite a bit of time trying to create this connection so that he's able to strengthen and utilize the muscles to stop bladder leakage. And similarly, I have found similar things in women as well, where when everything's great, I mean, we don't have to think about those muscles. And that's really, you know, a really wonderful part about our pelvic floor. But when something happens, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on down there? You know, I've never thought about down there. Or I don't even know what is down there. And so it's really, uh, you know, I'm a really strong proponent that pelvic health really needs to get taught appropriately. Because then we run into situations where there's no connection or there's a lot of fear and people don't know what to do and feel that they are, you know, victims of their circumstance when there's so much that can be done, but they don't know that even pelvic floor physiotherapy exists. I mean, it's becoming a little more commonplace, but I still have lots of clients coming in being like, I'm not sure what we're doing here or what this type of therapy is. Um, so like we're getting better at educating. There's so much more work we need to do. And so pelvic health matters just from that physical part. But let's also talk about pelvic health isn't just about the physical part. It's an energetic center for those of us who are, um, you know, into chakras or into, you know, yoga or into spiritual practices will know, right? The root chakra, the grounding center, a place where we feel safe, where we feel connected to the earth, where we feel connected to life and to nature, right? If we don't have a connection to our root chakra, we may not feel very grounded. And I don't know about you, but when I don't feel grounded, I don't feel great, right? I feel like I'm floating around. I don't know where I'm going, what I'm doing. So pelvic health matters. It's an energy center. It has a tremendous neurological connection that goes through that area. It's important. Mental health. You know, if you're someone who is experiencing leakage, it may very well impact your mental health. If you're experiencing pain, period pain, pelvic pain, pain with intimacy, that is going to have some mental health uh, complication. It's going to involve potentially, I mean, you know, I don't want to make blanket statements, but, you know, it does affect the way that we think. And then it affects the way we feel about ourselves, our emotional health, right? Our emotions impact the pelvic floor. But vice versa, if I'm experiencing something in my pelvic floor, I'm going to have a feeling about it. Frustration, anger, hopelessness, you know, certainly joy and happiness and orgasm. I mean, those have a particular emotional feeling to it. So it's not just a set of muscles. It has major impacts in our in our life, how we 
connect with others. If I'm, you know, if I'm afraid that I'm going to pee while being intimate with my partner, I may very well find ways to not be intimate with my partner, right? Maybe I, you know, get distant or maybe we start a fight or maybe, you know, our bodies, our mind, our nervous systems gets really smart about how to protect us, right? I don't want to have this experience. What can I do to make sure we don't even get to the bedroom, right? So then that affects our relational health, how we relate to others, how we relate to ourselves. Never mind, right? You think, oh, well, it's just a little bit of pee. No, it's not just a little bit of pee. There's a lot of feeling in that. And I don't think that we're um, giving it the credit, giving people the validation that they're experiencing something and that it matters to them. You might not think it's a big deal, but maybe it's a big deal. And we need to be supporting. And then, of course, I mean, there are other physical health implications. You know, I've seen many clients, like I've mentioned, who simply do not know what is going on down there. I mean, when I try to think back to my, you know, sexual health class, I mean, I'm not sure I remember anything of use other than don't get pregnant. Great. Thanks. That was extremely helpful for me to understand my periods, to understand my health down there. I mean, we make down there so shameful and then we attach like dirtiness to it. And then you have these girls walking around trying to like, you know, soap and and douche and, you know, perfume. All because we can't educate our girls that like, yes, you have a vagina. It is a open space. Things are going to come. I mean, we don't even talk about things like, you know, what can come out like discharge. I had a client the other day that, you know, we were talking, I was asking about, you know, uh, yeast infection. She's like, oh, and she's, you know, kind of pregnant now and in, in her mid, uh, mid thirties. And she's like, yeah, my guy, uh, you know, my OB said, I, you know, have a yeast infection. And I'm like, well, and she's like, and now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure I had a problem all of my teenage life because I did not know that the discharge that was coming out was a problem. I mean, if we cannot understand our own bodies, how in the world are we going to be able to understand what might be a problem and like what's normal and like when should I get help? So, you know, poor person is having symptoms of a yeast infection for most of her life uh, thinking that that's normal until it's like, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's not the way it needs to be. Like think about the emotional hit at that moment, realizing, you know, you've been experiencing something that you could have done something about a long time ago, but didn't know because down there is not appropriate to talk about. It is part of our body. We talk about all kinds of other parts of our body. You know, we talk about, you know, our armpits and you're going to sweat and here's something that you can do. And, but we don't talk about down there. So we got 
women buying all sorts of products to get clean and in the meantime are actually creating harm. The vagina is a self-cleaning oven. It does not need soap, just water. And it's not supposed to smell like flowers. A vagina is supposed to smell like a vagina. So it can increase your risk of urinary tract infections. It can unbalance your pH. It can lead to all kinds of problems. And that's like, sometimes the first thing I'll ask is like, are you using soap down there? Can you please stop? Not good. Just water. It cleans itself. That's why things come out. It's like cleaning its own self, right? We don't need to fiddle with it, with chemicals and all sorts of other unnecessary things. So we need to change the conversation. We need to stop making it shameful. And we need to stop making it sound like it's dirty down there because it is not. Because when we create shame, people don't want to, like, I don't want to go somewhere where it's shameful. I don't like that feeling. So I'm not going to pay attention to that area. You know, a lot of women don't even look down there. They don't even know their own anatomy down there. And that's a problem for our physical health. Because if we don't know what it looks like, how are we going to know if something's changing? Like there could be an infection there. Um, There could be, like I said, right? Yeast infection. But there could be other health conditions like lichen sclerosis. There could be cancer. There could be signs and symptoms, right? And we're looking for like changes, right? Like is something changing there? When we don't focus on down there, we run risks of increased risk of urinary tract infections, increased risk of uh, sexually transmitted infections. We run risks of pain. Because if I'm not connected down there, I'm maybe not making the best health decisions or making the best, you know, making certain decisions because I don't know. So we need to talk about pelvic health because it matters. It matters a great deal. And also, did you know, just as a, Side note, because we were talking about support, that our pelvic floor works with other muscles. And so there is also a link between low back pain and pelvic girdle dysfunction or pelvic floor dysfunction. Also, pelvic girdle dysfunction also may be impacted by our pelvic health, by our pelvic floor muscles. Hip pain. There is a hip muscle that is attached to our pelvic floor. So if I have a hip problem or hip tightness and tension, it can impact my pelvic floor. If my pelvic floor gets tight, it can impact the mobility and movement and strength of my hip. So even that from a physical perspective, we need to consider. And it's important, pelvic health matters because our experiences, our emotions, our mental, the way we think about it, how we think about ourselves, how we think about our body, you know, that gets passed down through generations. And in some cases, like 
pelvic health concerns ruin people's lives. People can't work. People can't be intimate. You know? Um, People's lives are inconvenienced. Their overall health can be significantly impacted. And it's really important for me to state here that even something as little as, well, I just have a little leak when I cough can tremendously impact our confidence, our self-worth, the way that we show up in the world. It can impact our ability to exercise or even our motivation to exercise, which then, again, has health consequences. So, you know, big or small, you know, if it's bothersome for you, if it's a problem for you, you know, getting help, is a good idea. And we need to stop dismissing women's health experiences, like period pain. Oh yeah, it's just period pain. Um, Did you know that there are lots of things that we can do to help support that individual to... <clears throat> improve their health experience oh well you know you've had children so you know peeing yourself you know it's to be expected no it doesn't have to be that way we need to stop minimizing people's experiences and simply say wow i'm sorry that this is really bothering you it would be great you know if pelvic health became a standard of care Especially in pregnancy and postpartum. I mean, man, that's that's like one of life's greatest um, rites of passage. But it's also where that area, you know, potentially can be disrupted. We need to be supporting pelvic health. And if maybe you're not experiencing symptoms postpartum and you feel like you're recovering well, it's still great. To get connected to your pelvic floor, to know where it is, to know how it moves. To know, okay, yeah, my muscles, you know, my muscles are doing what they need to do. So that you can feel confident in your body. And again, should something arise, you're going to be like, oh, I know what I need to do. And if I've forgotten what I need, you know, what I need to do, I can always go back and see my pelvic floor physiotherapist. But the reality is that pelvic health matters. And, you know, singing it from the, you know, singing it from the rooftops. I know there are a lot of pelvic health physios who are trying to educate at the high school level more anatomy, more function. You know, we need to support our women, our young women, to learn more about their bodies, to respect their bodies. I mean... I read somewhere that, like, the number of labiaplasty surgeries in the U.S. has gone up substantially. I mean, what 11 to 16 or even, you know, 18-year-old, like, needs to be surgically changing their labia? Because we either go on one extreme where it's too shameful to talk about, but then on the other end, we glorify what a certain 
appropriate normal appearance looks like. And in fact, vulvas, right? We don't even have that terminology, right? Right? We just refer to down there as the vagina. Well, actually, it's the vagina is just the canal part. It's actually called the vulva. Comes in all different shapes and sizes, just like a person's face, the, its configuration, like where the eyes, the nose, the mouth, and how that whole symmetry works is going to be different, just like everybody's vulva is going to be different. But because it's shameful and because we're not supposed to talk about it, and if we do talk about it or if we see it, it's only being shown in a particular appearance. So then we begin to assume, well, that's normal, and now somehow I am not. And then I risk complications by having surgeries done to make it look a certain way to feel like I'm worthy and good enough. I mean, those are some, some extremes, but like, that's, that's the impact that us not talking about pelvic health, us not talking about down there, us not talking about our bodies it creates problems. And of course, most people wouldn't know that because people don't talk about it. We don't talk about pelvic health. And if we do, it's kind of jokingly with our friends, you know, laughing, <laughs> you know, we peed a little bit or, you know, oh no, I don't go on trampolines. But beyond that, we really, you know, we don't talk about it. I mean, not that I'm suggesting you should, but I mean, even from a medical perspective, like our medical providers should be asking us questions about our health down there. Because if they don't ask, we may not tell them because we may think what we're experiencing is normal because we don't know. So it's up to, you know, us healthcare providers to ask questions and educate individuals so that they know, you know, there is help out there. So if you are in need um, and you're in Ontario, and if you're in Mississauga, you can always reach out to me, ask me questions to see if I might be able to support you with a particular problem. Uh, I'm a huge fan of prenatal physiotherapy. Like that's my jam. I love helping women and birthing individuals prepare for birth and postpartum recovery. We've designed a complete postpartum rehab program. So if you're in Mississauga and would like to work with me one-to-one, -one, uh, my clinic is called Eco Physiotherapy, ECO Physiotherapy. If you are not in Mississauga, but would like to work with me, I offer virtual physiotherapy care. And you're probably like, how can you do that for pelvic health? Well, the pandemic has really taught me how to support clients virtually. Yes, pelvic health virtually. Uh, and uh, I've been practicing for almost two and a half years, which feels like a lifetime. And I've gotten pretty damn good at it. So if you're in Ontario, because that's where I'm licensed to practice physiotherapy, we can do virtual sessions. If you are outside of Mississauga and outside of Ontario, I have created an online DIY program. So it is an eight module, how to prepare down there for birth uh, program. 
and it takes you through step-by-step the foundations of pelvic health. And yeah, I, I, I use a lot of models and demos and there's lots of exercises and, you know, all the things that I would, you know, kind of teach from a general basic knowledge perspective I've included in this program because I believe people need to access this information to prepare for birth and, and for early postpartum. So I have an online do-it-yourself program. It's called the Better Birth Method. Uh, I've also created a secondary online program specifically for bladder leakage. So whether it's stress incontinence, urge incontinence, a combination of both. Uh, my program's called the BIF, which is Be Incontinence Free Formula. Again, it's an online DIY step-by-step program teaching you the foundations of what to do to regain control of your bladder. And I also have a free mini training, and it's called How to Work with Labor Pain to Have a More Positive Birth Experience. And it's a free 30-minute training to educate you on labor pain because it gets a bad reputation and takes you through some techniques and ways of how to work with labor pain. So that's totally free. And I am going to include all the links in the show notes to the programs, to booking, to my website, to all of those things. And I'm, you know, free to answer questions if you're unsure of what the best direction is. And you can also find me on Instagram at Madeline Golick. And I would spell out my name, but Lord knows it is the longest three-syllable name. So I'm just going to ask you to go to the show notes and get the spelling. And I'm also on TikTok, same handle, at Madeline Golick. And that is pretty much where I am the most active. You know, I have a Facebook page, but, you know, don't really don't really post there much. So if you want to kind of hang out and see me make some fun reels and make some fun TikTok videos, then uh, you're going to need to go there because that's where I'm active. All right. So I am signing off on this podcast and I can't wait to connect with all of you on the next. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out these wonderful conversations, this wonderful education, and of course, meeting different practitioners with different insights, all in the name of helping you live a better life. So on that note, wishing you a wonderful day. Take care. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.